Welcome back to Coaching Through the Bible. This week, the portion of Vayishlach, Jacob on Confidence. I imagine that every single one of us at some point in our lives has had a crisis of confidence. And I think when we look at the world around us, very much of what we see about a lot of people, among so many other emotions and feelings, is a sense of a real lack of confidence, a real crisis of confidence for people. For a whole host of reasons, um, societal, cultural, emotional, spiritual, mental, among all those different factors, breeds a crisis of confidence for a lot of people. We're comparing ourselves to other people, we're looking at what they have and what we don't. Um, we harp in and zoom in on our weaknesses instead of focusing in on our strengths. It's a whole host of reasons of why we would suffer crises of confidence. And it is the case that Jacob, Yaakov, the third of the patriarchs, also suffers a crisis of confidence at the beginning of this week's portion, this week's reading. It's not usually looked at that way, but it can help us really understand how to, again, gain confidence, think about confidence, and be more confident in ourselves. And so in looking back at that story at the beginning, where Jacob has this moment in a wrestling match with some anonymous person, again, another anonymous person in the Bible, an anonymous person, it's an interesting story in every right, and every explanation is worth exploring even further, and to my mind, this year specifically, I thought that perhaps in that moment, Jacob is suffering from a crisis of confidence. When you look at the beginning of the text, a few verses earlier, there's this idea that we've grown up with that the meeting with Asav, with his brother, is inevitable. The truth is it's not. Having looked at the first verse from the section Jacob sends out his messengers, right before that, there is no specific awareness that any sort of a meeting between Jacob and his brother is to take place, nor that it must. Jacob is on his way back to the land of Israel. Asaph has already settled in the land of Seir. And so they don't necessarily have to cross paths, but it appears to some degree that Jacob is inviting it, let alone wanting to have this moment. Perhaps he's coming into this space feeling fairly confident. He has his children, he has his uh, wives, he has wealth, he has a lot around him. He's coming home, his purpose, his message, his mission to be filled. There's a lot of reasons for him to be confident. And so perhaps it's in that moment that he invites this meeting with his brother. It turns out his brother is coming for him also. And so it's in there, in that space, where the commentaries have a variety of understandings about the nature of that meeting, Jacob's feelings for that meeting, how he's thinking about what's going on there. And most famously in there is the commentary of Rashi, who makes the uh, fairly famous idea that Jacob prepares in three ways. He prepares a gift. He prepares by praying, and he prepares for fighting. And it is all those different things to be ready for what's about to happen. 
And he does all those things. And yet when it, the actual event comes, it's fairly anticlimactic in nature, ultimately, when Jacob and Esau meet, he actually does none of those things. And it all hinges on what happens in the middle of the night. And so another one of the commentaries happens to be Rashi's grandson, Shmuel, Rabbi Shmuel ben Meir, known as Rashbam, has a completely different understanding of what's going on here. Jacob sends his messengers to his brother. His brother is on his way. The messengers return, and they tell Jacob, yes, your brother is on his way to see you too, but it's not out of hatred. It's not out of angst. It's not out of anger. Rather, he is excited to see you. He's looking forward to being with you. He is happy that you're coming back. And Jacob doesn't believe it. He doesn't trust. He's not confident in that truth. And at that moment, his confidence breaks. And so to my understanding of it is that the rest of this story, until he actually meets his brother, is Jacob's crisis of confidence. And as we all know from ourselves, that when we have a crisis of confidence, so many other things come into play. Anxiety, stress, pressure, fear, a whole host of emotions that build and build and build on each other and build off of each other to a point where we can't even move. And a lot of the time that happens when there's no one else around. So we're alone or we're sitting in an office space somewhere or on a plane. Uh, we're in our bedrooms and it's late and everything else is put to bed and all of these emotions and all of these thoughts and all these ideas come rushing through our minds and we can't get a grip on it. We can't get an understanding of it. We're very much Jacob in the night. He's spiraling. He's gone from confident to doubtful to anxious to fearful to running. He's backtracking with his words and his deeds. He's coming up with a way to make this happen, to make this work. Albeit, he's not sure that any of it's going to be going to work. And really, all of it is him avoiding the bigger issue here. It's him feeling confident in what he has done and being feeling confident in what he's about to be. And then it spirals up once he has the fight. Because as Rashbam points out, that when he is in that moment and it is alone, he's dark, he wants to run away in the same way that he has run before where he ran away from his house, from his parents and from his brother the first time. And just not too long ago, he ran away from Lavan, from his father-in-law's home in the night. He didn't confront either situation head on. He tried to run away in the middle of the night. And Jacob is looking for that here. He's moved everyone across the river. He's alone and he wants to flee. And this Ish, this person, this Malach, this messenger, this angel is holding him back and saying, Jacob, you must fight this fight now before you can fight that fight later. And in that moment, the person that Jacob is fighting is none other than himself. Jacob is fighting with himself. He's fighting to get a grip on who he is and what he is and to gain confidence and the belief in all the things that he has done to self-value and to self-actualize and to build the self-esteem, all of those different things he's trying to build in. Because confidence is that feeling of self-assurance that comes from one appreciating their own abilities and their own qualities and, in fact, their own accomplishments. And Jacob 
has to have that. He has to have that mirror moment. He has to fight with himself to begin to appreciate who he is and to rebuild his confidence in the things that he has done so they can live out the rest of his life's purpose back at home. He wins the battle. He wins that battle. He's hurt. He's damaged. He comes out of it with memory and a feeling in his body and in his soul of what that battle was, which helps him along the way. And he comes out with a new name because in reality, in that crisis of confidence, he thinks of himself in one way. And the person he's battling with tells him, no, that's not who you are. You are not Jacob. You are Israel. You are the one who fights and wrestles and you are the one who wins. He's reminded of the fact that he has gone through a lot. He's experienced a lot, both good and bad. And he's come out on top. He has the blessings, he has the family, he has the flock, he has the people, he has God. He's returning now to the land of his fathers. He has so much that's going for him. And it restores his confidence. And how do we know it? Because the next day when he goes to meet his brother, he does not send this elaborate gift and he does not send people out in front of him. He leads from the front. He's a forward admiral as opposed to being a rear admiral. He's leading the pack. He's happy. He is focused. His language and his tone, you can almost sort of see him standing tall, even though he is limping, he's standing tall because, as he says, he has everything. He doesn't need Asav. He doesn't need what's coming in this battle. He doesn't need the affirmation from his brother. He's confident, he's sure, he's secure in his belief in what he is. Confidence is a powerful thing. It works for Jacob, the forefather who we really know the most about, the one we can attach to the most, the one who goes through so many emotional ups and downs, victories and defeats and battles. And he's the most real to us. And this is one of those things that's very real to us is confidence. And so how do we then sort of take that lesson from Jacob and sort of apply it to ourselves and sort of approach an idea about how to be more confident? So it's interesting that confidence is very much built on experience. It's having done things. It's an active mode. Uh, Dale Carnegie, very famous uh, personal development coach, however you want to call him, said the following thing. Inaction breeds doubt and fear. Action breeds confidence and courage. If you want to conquer fear, do not sit at home and think about it. Go out and get busy. One of the things that we can really do when we're struggling with our confidence is to go do something. In actuality, a lot of the psychologists write and a lot of the research is that in going to do something, not just for ourselves, part of it is doing something for someone else. Helping someone else achieve, helping someone else succeed actually sort of rolls back and spins back on us and allows us to regain our confidence. Another one of the um, called tricks or approaches to building one's confidence is to remind ourselves of our strengths and then to repeat what helped us get strong in the first place. A lot of athletes who are struggling with their confidence um, go back to something or some place that they know and that they recognize that gives them a very positive vibe and feeling. And so if it was a basketball player, and um, 
he really grew up dribbling the basketball really well, he'll go back and run those drills. Um, as a baseball player or a runner, whatever it is, they'll go back to some sort of activity that gets them in the right frame of mind, that gets them with a small victory, which is another one, another key to building confidence, so they can get back in the right direction and have their confidence sort of begin to grow. These are initially a couple of ways. We can do this with our children as well. We can talk to them about failing and that failing is simply a part of success and that failing is a tool for building our confidence. When we fail and we review and we analyze and we fail again differently the second time and the third time and we review, we get stronger, we get better, we improve and our confidence grows. And this one I actually thought was quite interesting. Another one that we can share with our children for ourselves and our teams is not only to remind ourselves about behaviors in the past and prior victories, or to self-talk about who we are and the strengths that we have and the things that we can actually do and we've experienced, we can also visualize. It's a really key one that a lot of really successful people talk about is visualization exercises. Really think through their successes in the past. Really think through the different steps and stages that got that person to succeed, got that person to victory. And that emotional thought process, that real deep thinking for ourselves, can lead us and influence our actions. So these are the different ways that a person is really able uh, to build confidence really build up a person. Confidence is fundamental to our ability to succeed. We have to be kind to ourselves and realize that we will have these dips and we'll have these moments, but that we have support. And there's a last one that's really important, the support system that surrounds us, a positive support system that can remind us of our victories, of our strengths, can keep us away from our weaknesses and our defeats. Someone who can build us up, who can speak kindly to us besides ourselves who someone else who can speak to that. Certainly children need that. Certainly people who perhaps suffer alone need that support and that team. And with all of those different things in place, it's very much that what happens with Jacob happens to us all the time. And if we can appreciate that what he went through in that moment is that sort of dip in his emotional state, in his psychological and spiritual state, that in that moment in the dark, with the dawn coming, because he can see the light coming at the end of it, he is reminded of who he actually is. That we can come out on the other side of that quite confident, quite secure, and ultimately quite successful. Just in the same way that Jacob did, so too we can as well. So that's Coaching Through the Bible this week on the subject of confidence. Have a great weekend. And Shabbat Shalom.